0: take the right door on your way down there's no telling where you'll end up I drive cars anymore down in the caves, but that last story really shows that it pays to be courteous to others on the road, doesn't it? Did you find anything down that hallway? No? I think this house used to be some form of medical facility at some point, because this door has medical supplies written on it. What do you think? Should we take a look? Of course you want to. You creep. (laughs) Yes, yes, it really is calling the kettle black, isn't it? Hmm. What's this in here? Looks like a stethoscope. Go ahead. Have a touch. See you on the other side. The Interview, written by Kevin David Anderson, narrated by Mike Rickard.
1: Your son appears to be quite exceptional, Mrs. Warren, Dr. Etheridge said, looking up through wire-framed glasses, his index finger pointing at the test results in front of them. He has the gift. Mrs. Warren leaned forward in her seat on the other side of the desk. Ain't my son. She glanced to the side where seven-year-old Anthony sat on a leather couch, entranced by his Nintendo. My sister's kid. God rest her soul. Etheridge watched her make the sign of the cross, thin withered fingers moving over her chest. Her face was drawn, eyes sunken. She looked as if she hadn't slept in days. Perhaps your husband should join us, Etheridge said, gesturing toward the door leading to the waiting room outside his office, where his assistant, Mrs. Anderson, sat. I think you'll both want to hear what this institute has to offer. She glanced back at the door. Nah, I think he's happier out there. Got eyes for your secretary, as Dr. Etheridge cleared his throat trying to ignore Mrs. Warren's comment. Whatever the state of the Warrens' farm-life-rural marriage was, it certainly wasn't any concern of his. The only thing that the moment that did concern him was the boy. Can I have some ice cream? Andrew said without looking up, his blonde hair hanging over one eye. When we're done, Andy, Mrs. Warren said. She turned her tired gaze back to Etheridge, grimacing. Can we get on with it, please? Etheridge pushed his glasses up. Yes, of course. He leaned forward, glancing down at the test results. His scores are the highest I've seen, on all levels. Telekinesis, remote viewing. Mrs. Warren snickered. Those tests are bullshit, Doctor. Finding stars and squiggly lines on the back of cards, bending spoons, he can do all that nonsense in his sleep. There was a crash outside in the waiting room. It sounded as if Mrs. Anderson had knocked her file organiser off the desk again, second time this week. I'm sorry, Mrs. Warren, you were saying... I've seen him lift a tractor and hurl it into the barn like it was nothing. Gonna get chocolate ice cream? Andrew asked. In a few minutes, Mrs. Warren snapped. A tractor? Etheridge sat forward in his seat. Not just big stuff and not just out here. She leaned forward, placing her hand on the desk. It can move folks' insides. Blood. Organs. Bone. Etheridge removed his glasses. What? Didn't that secretary of yours tell you nothing? She lowered her voice. It's how he lost his parents. Gonna get hot fudge on my ice cream, Andrew said. ''Yes, in a minute,'' Mrs. Warren said, glancing back at the boy, then slowly turning back to Etheridge. ''The doctor that works on the dead folk, the...'' ''Coroner?'' ''Yeah, even he couldn't explain it.'' ''Explain what, Mrs. Warren?'' ''Why my sister and her husband's hearts were turned completely round.'' ''Said it looked like they'd been spun like a child's toy.'' Etheridge narrowed his eyes not able to believe what he was hearing. We didn't think nothing of it until Andy brought me a chicken from the barn for supper. Thought my husband had snapped its neck, but when I opened it up it was like its gizzards had been put in a blender. They poured out like stew from a pot. Etheridge took a deep breath, sat back in his chair. He had seen this kind of irrational fear manifested before. The guardians of these unique children were often torn between loving them and fearing them. He brought his hands up behind his head. This is exactly the kind of thing that we enable our students to deal with. Society's misunderstanding of their gifts can cause all kinds of developmental problems. He sat forward, peered into her exhausted eyes. I can give Andrew a better life here. A meaningful life. One that's... I don't give a mule's ass about what you can do for him. Mrs. Warren said through clenched teeth, lips receding, revealing discoloured guns. Etheridge was caught off guard. If it's a matter of money... She slapped her hand on his desk. We don't come here so you can help him. We're here so you can help us. You, Etheridge said. Mrs. Warren, you have me at a slight disadvantage. She narrowed her eyes thought you were smart thought you would know how to fix this people say you folks deal with this kind of stuff that's why we come to ya, mrs warren what is going on impatience rippled across her features my husband and i died two days ago and the boy won't let us leave what he's using those gifts as you'd call them, to hold our souls inside these rotting husks and it's painful painful as hell Eldridge chuckled. Now, Mrs. Warren, please. Go on, she said, laying her arm out on the desk, palm up. You is some kind of a doctor. Find a pulse. Better just humour her for a few minutes, he thought, until he figured out what to do. Etheridge sighed and reached for the woman's wrist. His fingers instinctively recoiled as he touched her skin. She was cold. Real cold. Etheridge shrugged off his initial reaction, letting his logic once again guide his actions. He reached out and took her wrist, his fingers feeling for the rhythmic sensation of flowing blood. ''You know the dead can't sleep, Doctor,'' she said. ''I'm so goddamn tired. Never been so tired.'' Etheridge wasn't getting anything. He got up, moved around the desk, placed his hand on her neck, with his fingers, He pressed on her jugular. Nothing. Still refusing to believe, he leaned over, pressed the intercom button on the phone. Mrs. Anderson, will you go down to the ward and get me a stethoscope? He released the button and waited for a reply. None came. Mrs. Anderson, I need you. He suddenly broke off as the sensation of a dog sniffing at his crotch seized his attention. He looked down and saw Mrs. Warren drawing back her nose still sniffing the air. M- Mrs. Warren? You wouldn't believe what being dead makes you hunger for, Doctor. Etheridge stepped back, disgusted. The sooner he got the boy away from them, the better. He turned and moved toward the office door. He grasped the handle and swung it open. Mrs. Anderson, I've been caught... His mouth dropped open, his eyes bulged. Mrs. Anderson was sprawled on her desk, dead eyes staring at the ceiling. Mr. Warren was using his hands like rib-spreaders while his face sank into her exposed cavity. Etheridge could hear the sounds of chewing. I'll make you a deal, Doctor. Etheridge spun round and found Mrs. Warren standing, her lifeless, hungry stare pouring into him. ''You get Andy to let us move on,'' she said, ''and I won't eat you!'' Paralysed by horror, Etheridge watched her walk toward him. His heart pounded and he thought it would burst from his chest. Mrs. Warren reached out for him and he tried to raise his hands but they remained at his side, useless. She clutched his arms in her dead fingers and moved his stiff body, out of the way. She then exited the office and joined her husband at the feast. Etheridge staggered back, not knowing where his feet were taking him. His heels collided with the leather couch and he plopped down into it. The beeping sounds from Andrew's Nintendo were just a bit louder than the sounds of tearing flesh, snapping bone and chewing resonating from the waiting room. He looked over at the boy, still peering intently into the glowing screen of the handheld video game. Etheridge took a deep breath. When he breathed out, he was no longer a paralysed idiot, and once again, a world-renowned parapsychologist. Andrew, he began. The boy continued playing. Andrew, are you doing something to your aunt and uncle? I don't want them to leave. Andrew said, not looking up. And why is that? Because everyone leaves me. His forehead wrinkled. My dog Skipper left. Mum and Dad left. They left me alone. Tell you what, Etheridge said. Why don't you come and live here with me? And... Why should I? He had never had to convince a child. It was always a parent or guardian that needed the persuading. ''Because... because I have ice cream.'' Andrew stopped playing and turned to look at him. ''What flavors? ''Oh, uh, let me see. There's chocolate, vanilla, straw...'' ''I like Rocky Road. Got that one?'' ''Well, let's take a walk down to the cafeteria and see what they have.'' ''What do you say?'' Andrew stared at Etheridge, considering... ''Any progress, Doctor?'' Mrs. Warren said, stepping back into the office. Her husband was on her heels. Both corpses glared at Etheridge, hands glistening with blood, chins dripping. Dr. Etheridge hardened his tone and tried to appear firm. Andrew, you have to let them go. Let them go right now. Etheridge could hear the dead bodies of the Warrens shuffling forward, and he tried to tune it out. He stayed focused on the boy, eyes locked. Putting a hand on Andrew's shoulder, he said, "'I'm not going to leave you. I promise.' He brushed the boy's wayward strand of hair from his eyes. "'You can live here and have ice cream every day.' Andrew seemed to smile. It was the first expression Etheridge had seen in the boy. "'But first, Etheridge said, seeing the Warren's shadows fall over the couch.' You must let them go. It's not right to hold them on this plane, do you understand? Andrew's expression soured like a kid being asked to clean his room. He then turned and faced his dead aunt and uncle. He blinked twice. Go away. We don't need you anymore. The corpses stopped moving for an instant and seemed to just stand there like marionettes whose puppeteer had fallen asleep. Then, their strings cut... They slumped to the floor, their dead limbs intertwined as if in a farewell embrace. Mrs. Warren's tired eyes shuddered, then went still, her dead gaze locked on Etheridge. He could see the emptiness in that gaze, cold, vacuous, and he could almost feel the hollow husks rotting. Andrew hopped up, sticking the Nintendo in his pocket. Etheridge stood up slowly, eyes fixed on the bodies in his office. Can we go and get some ice cream now? Andrew grabbed Eldridge's hand. The parapsychologist nodded, hoping to God that the cafeteria stocked ice cream. Being a diabetic, he'd never noticed. Of course. We'll go take a look. There is a chance that they have run out, in which case we will just... I hope not, Andrew interrupted. I haven't had any since auntie and uncle ran out two days ago. His expression became irritated. And that made me really, really mad.
0: You've been listening to the Night's End Podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. The interview was written by Kevin David Anderson. To learn more about Kevin David Anderson, go to his website at kevindavidanderson.com or his Amazon author page where you can buy some of his work, which includes Night of the Living Trekkies and Midnight Men, The Supernatural Tales of Earl and Dale. This episode was narrated by Mike Rickard from the Stories of Strangeness podcast, where Mike and Zoe discuss all things on topics of paranormal, folklore, cryptids, hauntings, and more. To check it out, head over to storiesofstrangeness.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Jimmy Horrors was performed by James Barnett. This episode was produced and edited by James Barnett. If you enjoyed this episode, why not tell someone about it who might like it as well? It helps us more than you know. Stay horrific, everyone.